I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. All right, welcome back to API Intersection Podcast. We are here today with Erica Heidi, freshly starting at Sourcegraph, but has some more history to her. Uh, my co-host again is Phil from a Stoplight, who handles a lot of our DevRel stuff. I'm Jason, CTO at Stoplight, your only persistent host. I guess I probably did a bad job introducing you there, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Erica Heidi, and I'm starting a new job as uh, developer advocate at Sourcegraph, but previously I worked as technical writer at DigitalOcean. So maybe you read one of my tutorials there. And yes, I have content spread all over the internet because I really like to write and create stuff, content and code. Got it. You know, we hadn't chatted that long before. And so now I have to ask because I'm like a total geek about picking apart people's like accents and stuff. So you're Portuguese? I am Brazilian. Ah, okay, that's what I thought. That was my first guess, but all right, cool. I used to do jujitsu for a long time and tried to learn uh, Portuguese for a while, but oh, really? I got so confused with Spanish. It's too similar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, very similar. Some things are very similar. All right. So, Erica, I think, you know, one of the more interesting bits of kind of your profile and background, uh, I think there's two components. One is you're pretty active in the open source world. And two is you're kind of coming into this, you know, DevRel thing from tech writing side of things. So I'm curious, like, what, what's kind of driven you into the some of the open source projects that you've done? Well, uh, open source for me started as kind of dream, uh, like uh, with Linux and stuff, and that did never uh, seemed that it would become so big like it is today. When I started using open source, then after I moved to the Netherlands from Brazil and had more contact with the community, that opened many doors for me, and I started getting more involved and contributing. And so I have like special place in my heart for open source always because it's like it gave me uh, more confidence. It helped me in many ways. So I, I really enjoy that. And about uh, tech writing, you didn't ask that yet, uh, actually. Yeah, I, I laid a fork in the road there. I probably should have picked one. So sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, it's because uh, it ends up being quite connected when you write codes. Then you uh, have to explain how to use your code and such and like, you know, uh, not just uh, plain documentation, but also tutorials and that one thing leads to the other. And also developer relations also comes in the mix with the contact you have with the community and all the contributing and uh, conferences and it's all connected, I think, somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you start kind of releasing code and sending pull requests and, and interacting with other people on those pull requests and issues and stuff, and you just get chatting to people a whole bunch, and then you get randomly invited to conferences where you meet more people and end up interacting with them. It's just kind of a whole community thing, just in a few different forums, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think for me, coming out of kind of the Microsoft where for years, you know, things were very closed off, and I certainly kind of switched over into PHP and Java and some things, but you know, you realize that one of the big powerful things about open source is 
lots of just passionate people doing something they think is cool, right? As opposed to like, it's a job task per se. And I get from you that like this kind of making connections, building your network, that's been a significant portion beyond just kind of the, you know, what is it that you're building, right? The open source stuff is kind of, you know, giving us all a better connection to community. And it sounded like that that was a significant factor for you beyond just kind of the technical contribution, right? Yes, definitely. And I also think that it's a good place for fun projects, you know, just uh, sharing. I think most of my projects are very experimental and I don't intend them to be kind of famous or become used by millions of people. That's not my intention. Um, I really want to share a bit of fun things and, you know, like things that you could do, little tricks and things that I found out along the way, you know, uh, and then I like to share that and give a chance to people to also experiment with something different because we already have like a lot of uh, serious projects and big frameworks and things like that. And there is also space for some fun and I like to say like indie projects and things like that. more, uh, you know, not so mainstream. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, looking through your GitHub, it seems like top project is this DynaCover thing, which looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I was looking at the repos and I, I saw the uh, G-Daisy thing first and I was like, oh no, what awful obscure stuff have you been forced to do at work that's led you to write a GD image wrapper in PHP? And then I noticed it was kind of a, a dependency of the DynaCover thing. So is that, is that how it started? You're like working on this fun thing and you're like, oh, it's just kind of hard to do. And then you end up just spinning that off. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of my projects that start like that. And then I realized that it's been kind of a pain in the ass to keep all uh, everything coupled together. So I kind of break them down. And so it's easier, just easier to reuse. Uh, usually it's because I made something and it's really cool. A part of it I could use uh, in another project and I see, oh, I could use this definitely. And then I have to break it down. Otherwise it's going to be really difficult. So yeah, I moved to GDaisy so I can create some templates. Dream idea was to have a JSON file and say just, I want to build this kind of generator cover image for my posts, for instance, in my blog. And then I just generate this PNG based on the title and something else. So that was the main, the initial idea with the Twitter thing. I saw uh, someone that did a version of it and in another language. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this in PHP. It's like just perfect. And I do like all sorts of crazy things in PHP, sorry. But one that I really like is called Mini Leaf. It connects to the NanoLeafs panels that I have. And I do this with PHP and I, because it's open API. So it has an open API running. So I can just uh, do some requests and control my lights via PHP code. So that's fun. Luckily, my camera frame is relatively tight and you can't see that there's like cables and Arduinos and Raspberry Pis laying all over the table over there. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> I uh, empathize with your geekness on hardware IoT stuff. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. So, you know, looking through, uh, this is kind of first stoplight, you know, open source October, right? This is part of the reason we want to dig into this and think about it. And, you know, I guess I'm curious in contributing to open source stuff. Obviously, some of your projects you've had contributors probably contributed to things that, you know, aren't your repos. You know, how has all that worked for you? And kind of what have you learned in that process of, you know, how to get stuff accepted, things like that? 
Yes, so my first pull request was actually uh, kind of unexpectedly to a framework and I didn't want to start as big, but I just found this little issue with error message that was not clear enough. It was in a file upload component on Symfony and actually I was using Silex as a smaller subset, a micro framework based on those components, but the problem was in a component in the Symfony repository. So I had to make a pull request for that. It was terrifying, really. I knew how to push code to GitHub at that point, but I never had done a pull request before. And going through all the process, I didn't know how to rebase or like which branch I should target. So I was very confused. And actually I created like three or four pull requests different because I opened the first and then there was this huge uh, thing of like thousands of files. And I was, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I just changed one <laughs> file. Of course, I did it for the wrong branch. So it was awful. And then I closed that one and I opened another one. So it was a mess. Finally, I got it. And then I got a response from Fabian Potencier and he, he gave me a suggestion. And then I learned a lot from that because I also didn't know I could do that. It was just change something for a static variable. And then I changed that and then he approved it. And I was like, I felt like, oh my gosh, I got an approval. And I was like uh, very excited. So it was a really, uh, and I never forget that excitement and wow. But then he said, you have to rebase on master on another branch. And I was like, oh my God, no, everything's good, but you have to rebase. So I, <laughs> yeah, it was um, probably my first rebase ever. It was messy, but I could make it work. So I made it work and then it was merged. And my name was in the contributors' files. Well, uh, it was really nice. That's awesome. Yeah, after that, I wasn't so scared anymore because I thought, well, if I went through that, then I can definitely contribute more. Uh, and also, I don't need to be that scared because, you know, uh, you get a free code review from like some really cool people, and uh, really awesome developers, and it's a really good opportunity, right? So, yes. It's very nice. That's great. It's good that Fabian was giving you like the right words so that you could at least Google stuff. I think that's kind of a, an important step because quite often people, you know, the kind of like snotty developer that's like, mm, just do this thing. They'll kind of say things like, can you tidy up that history? And you're like, I don't know what that means. And you start Googling that. You're like, that's nothing. Um, but if you are kind of very specific about it, like, hey, would you mind, uh, you know, doing a Git rebase if you're not sure how that works? Here's a tutorial. Like that extra little bit of effort in, you know, dealing with a contributor means that you don't make them feel like rubbish and they might come back and do more pull requests, which ultimately is less work that you need to do, theoretically. <laughs> but either way, you get to feel, make someone like grow as a person instead of making them feel terrible. So I'm wondering if you bumped into many of those people that kind of are a bit snotty or rude in doing open source? And if so, like, is it one in a hundred people that are mean or is it a lot? <laughs> well, my personal experience was good. I didn't have any like really bad experience in open source, but I saw some bad maintainers and giving bad replies to other people. That can also scare you a little bit, like what if it happens with me, right? 
But I was lucky. And there was, I think, one time that, one a few times, not just one time, that I got a pull request rejected for some reason. Of course, that happens, but nothing really bad happened. I had more like bad experiences in comments, just blog posts and tutorials and things where people can leave comments. And that is for sure. And also on I like talk feedback that can be given anonymously. Also, these kinds of things. I got my share of feedback, but actually on open source, I had a good a good run so far. <laughs> I feel a bit scared of like when a project gets bigger, the tendency is that you attract some bad actors. But I hope that uh, if that happens in the future, that I know how to deal with it because I've seen others and then I know that's also... That's just a small, very small portion of people. And then I have friends that can have my back. Because also in this comment, sometimes I share something, a comment, a bad comment on Twitter. And then all my friends go there and, you know, just have my back. That happened on YouTube already once. I think with some people talking about my accent, complaining about my accent or something. And then, yes, so my friends come and, you know, so it's good. Yes. Well, I, for one, love uh, the sound of Brazilian Portuguese and the related accents. So you, you have a fan here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm curious, coming from kind of tech writing background, you know, have you done much in the way of kind of contributing on documentation on open source stuff? Well, I did mostly tutorials, like not documentation. Most of my experience is in writing tutorials, but I did some contribution to Laravel Docs, it was small, but it was something that also uh, I appreciated how open they were to uh, some changes. I hope I had more time previously to to contribute more. But yes, that one was about language. They have really good docs, but sometimes out of trying to sympathize with the reader, you end up kind of creating a barrier because you say that something is easy, for instance, or this is a really easy thing to do. And Maybe that's not the experience, that's a judgment. And that was what I suggested to change and they accepted the change. I don't remember which page it was, but I think it was something in eloquence. So yeah, one day I want to have the time to go and help more of these projects that I love and I would like to help more. <laughs> I've talked to some people who seem like, you know, a little intimidated by the process of of contributing and feeling like, well, maybe I'll waste my time. And I always tell people like, you know, in stuff that you use, there's always something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to use some library or some command line thing and like something doesn't work out of the box, like go contribute documentation. Those things get accepted like 95% of the time, as long as you're factually accurate and you're pointing out a problem. Like I've got repos forked all over the place in my GitHub and probably half of it is just little docs tweaks where I'm like, this didn't work. That was broken. <laughs> and I see like issues and threads on Stack Overflow. And it's like, just go make the little tweak and help everybody out, you know? <laughs> and to your point, it gets you into that rhythm of what do I need to do as a contributor, you know? Yes. That was definitely a thing I used to worry about in PHP and open source land was that there were so many kind of like clones of other projects. Like clearly someone looked at a, a package and then just went like, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to make my own, which is basically the same thing, but I'm going to change this one small thing. And now everyone has to maintain more of those packages and none of them really leveled up to the point where 
they could have reached. We had like 20,000 routing libraries. Like how many different ways can you possibly handle routing a URL to a controller? There's really not that much. And so, yeah, the thing I love the most about open source, I think, is where people kind of come together and all spend a little bit of time making something excellent instead of everyone wasting loads of time making lots of things that aren't very good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a question at the end of that. That was just a <laughs> just a statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that point. But also at the same time, I also really like the freedom that it is it exists in open source that you can go and create your uh, version or it's something if you are not satisfied with what exists. And yeah, there is two sides of it. There is also this problem of uh, having a really lot of libraries and you don't know which one to choose when you are using, you just want to. But I also worry about the overly dependency, like uh, depending on uh, becoming kind of a node thing. That's uh, like, I recently just installed one little package. I just went in one thing that was a requirement. I think it was when I was getting Tailwind ready. I don't know, I don't remember a plugin or something, but then suddenly a thousand packages were installed through NPM. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, now, all of a sudden, I depend on a thousand packages. Is that right? So modern development is getting to a point when it's, it's a bit complicated, right? You are always depending on more and more and more packages. So if anything goes wrong in any of those, then you don't know what happens to your, to your project or application. It's complicated. It can be overwhelming, too. Sometimes I just like to uh, go back to basics, and that's why I like to do a lot of things on the command line because it's more like less stuff to worry about uh, and like no front ends. Uh, so it's kind of so refreshing to just run a command and just have things done easily. <laughs> That's great. And as a, like an open source maintainer, are there any kind of life hacks you've done, like automations that you've put in place to try and lighten the burden of doing the maintenance? Uh, like any fancy GitHub actions or other things hooked up? I'm not uh, big on GitHub Actions yet, but I want to learn more about them. Uh, I got even got a I got a book from Michael Heap. It's a really interesting book about GitHub Actions, and totally recommend. Yeah, but I have only basic stuff because I don't have that volume of contributions yet. At least uh, my projects are very small, so. I usually just have the basic, um, like uh, run on PHP 7.4, run on PHP 8, maybe, and uh, run the tests and just basics. And, you know, another significant aspect of kind of maintaining open source stuff is like, you know, beyond technical contribution, it's like quite often, how do you, you know, stay focused and keep working on these things and not lose interest? And, you know, sometimes there's sponsors and these sort of things like, you know, what's kind of powered you through on some of these things? So I kind of got used to working in cycles. I will be kind of away for a few months sometimes, and then I go back. Uh, I know it's not the best maybe for most projects and most people, but that's how I found that it works for me uh, because it keeps me interested. I usually go through a kind of a sprint of like, I have an idea for the project and I, then I will release a new version. Then I go and I work weeks and like over like after hours and I do uh, this all these things and I do the release and then I kind of slow down and uh, just take some time off uh, of that project 
And then at some point, then I have another idea or I need for something else. I need a new feature and then I will go back to it. So that's how usually I work because I really, my projects are really side projects that are supposed to be fun and a hobby thing. So that's how I deal with them. But I can totally see that the, for some people, if you have a serious project, you should probably be more um, frequent. <laughs> the frequency is important if you have a project that is used by many people and the, many people depend on it. And yeah, it's a big responsibility as well. So yeah, don't do as I do. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think some of that's perfectly normal, right? Especially... Yeah, I mean, to keep it fresh and and fun, uh, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, especially for open source stuff that like, you know, it's not part of your day job, right? This is stuff that you're working on and out of your own interest and passion. It's it's not a never-ending wellspring, right? (laughs) Yes, because it's never going to end, you know. uh, There's always new things that I kind of uh, felt really... In the past, I felt uh, really more uh, kind of an anxiety around like uh, finishing features all the time and like getting this new thing out. Or I have a new idea and I have to implement it now and I have to improve it. I have to make it perfect. And I moved away from these thoughts. (laughs) Let's see. Since a few years ago, I started, I think after my my daughter was born and I took things more, uh, different perspective on things, maybe. So I really take my time and I do what I can, you know, because these are not my day job, nor these projects are not part of my job. So I just take them as a hobby and a really uh, way to channel some uh, creativity and some creative energy on them and also learn new things, experiments. So yes, I... I'm taking them very, you know, like that lately. And also I like to use these projects as a way to write like a tutorial on how to do that. I usually tie them with a tutorial that I publish like on DevTO, for instance. Uh, uh, There is also a challenge on making uh, something that is usable and also making something that is uh, kind of simple enough or there's a small scope enough that you can um, write a tutorial about it and that people can actually build their own version of it. That's what I usually like. That's uh, this option that people can also build one the same. There was some day in a conference that I have this imagine this idea. It would be fun. You know how you, when you're a kid and there's this magazines that you like do your own DIY stuff and has some uh, things and you assemble. So you buy a kit or something. So I wanted that uh, for software somehow. I didn't uh, have any breakthrough ideas on how to do that in a a way that is attractive, but I like to think that uh, when I'm creating a project and write a tutorial about it, then I think about it like, it's like a DIY and the people are going to follow these and I have to give them all they need first and then they can follow and they have the same result at the end. So that's my dream goal when I write things. Yes. <laughs> well, what I love out of that is that you're, I mean, clearly you have some, you know, maker culture in you, right? Kind of sounds like IoT and uh, noticed in your profile, we had some mentions of 3D printing and stuff like that. And I'm very much the same way. I feel like I learn a lot about what makes, you know, making something exciting from working with physical things that when you come back to software, there are portable lessons 
like even you said earlier, you, you know, your head's down, you're getting this feature out, you know, and uh, with maybe an IoT project, it's like getting this next thing working. Like for me, I'm trying to get like my home assistant server to connect to a smart switch that I set up to turn on my pull pump. I don't need to do that, right? It would be fine if it didn't connect. I should probably stop, but it's fun. And I want to like know whether or not it's on, even though it's on a timer and whatever. It's just satisfying. But when I'm done with that, I probably won't look at any of that stuff again for a couple months because I'll be a little sick of it by then. And I feel like, you know, we talk about this uh, like at Stoplight with work all the time. It's like you've been on this big push to, you know, push out some big, cool new thing. And like you kind of need time to just tidy up the shop a little bit. Sometimes it's just, you know, touch up some bugs and address some tech debt stuff. Just I call it like the ginger to the sushi moment, right? You just had a great buffet, like have cleanse the palate, relax for a minute. So I love those kinds of making things. There are portable lessons that work across tech software and even just good old physical stuff too. So I love that. So Erica, I think we've covered the game up pretty good here on like, you know, open source. And even to some extent, I think you did a great job at touching on where this kind of, you know, tech writing background feeds into it and how you think about it. I guess when you're, for listeners who maybe haven't done as much in the open source world, you know, maybe they've been in a big company where it's just not a thing, uh, they're not hearing about it, or, you know, maybe folks coming right out of school or something who are just not sure how to get started, like, you know, any kind of roll-up advice here that you would give to folks on how to get more engaged in the open source world? So I'd say it's nice to find a project that you use or that you uh, like, you know, uh, in probably in a language that you feel comfortable, but then you feel uh, more confident about that. It can be documentation. It can be something that you use and then you contribute a portion on the documentation on details, how to use a specific feature. It's really hard for maintainers to document everything. Because sometimes it's just like a new, you add a new option, just a little on the codes, it's easy to implement. But when you're going to write about it, then you have other considerations, then you have to change the structure of the documentation. And then there's a lot of stuff. So you can really help with documentation of something that you've been using and you know how to use and can explain that. Also, don't be afraid. And I would say check the project first, the issues and other pull requests that were made before to see if the people, the maintainers are friendly and they, because of course you don't want to go in any project that you're going to have like a bad experience, right? You're going to have to choose wisely, I think. And now with Hacktoberfest, this period of the year is really good because there's a lot of repositories with tagging issues, with good first issues. So you can look for that tag on GitHub and then you find some issues that are more beginner friendly. Also check for like contributing doc if the repository has a contributing .md that usually means at least they put together some document with some instructions and guidelines on how to contribute. That's important because maybe like you have to create a pull request through a certain branch, then you have to see what which branch you should work with and the standards they use. So that's important uh, also to check. But ultimately, just find something that you have fun doing that would make things easier and also you may try to reach out to the to the people to the maintainers beforehand uh, before you start writing the codes even you know it's good to have some contact and ask 
more uh, clarity or more details. Or if you have an idea, then ask if this is this is what they are thinking. You know, you don't want to do work, then submit a pull request and then it be rejected. Nobody wants to do that. So, and maintainers also don't want you to lose your time. So it's good that you have this communication going to make sure you are, you know, on the same path of the maintainers. So I think that's uh, pretty much all. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I tell people all the time, like for me, open source projects are just like another product to be managed in a way. And maintainers, you know, I think there's this notion that like, Open source projects are built by this big anonymous army of contributors. And that's just not how it works in real life. There's usually, you know, a more core group that's interested in a topic. And those maintainers, you know, once you're a maintainer, you realize you have to make choices. You have to have a vision for the thing that you're doing. And sometimes contributions just don't fit, right? And I love your advice that like start that conversation early. Just like if you're at work and writing code, you wouldn't just go write something because it seems cool. You'd go have a discussion and make sure it's really solving a problem, right? So I think that's fantastic advice. All right. Well, any other words of wisdom for us? It feels like a pretty good point to wrap up here, Erica. I just want to reinforce the idea of doing open source for your own. You know, I, some people think that doing open source is kind of how you say, uh, like you're donating something, but that's not a really... It is a two-way street. Uh, you are learning a lot and you have the opportunity to to navigate a code that maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity if you were just, you know, we all have worked in companies that had like a legacy code and you were excited about a new technology, but you couldn't use that at work, right? So with open source, you have the chance to to work with technology that you may not have the opportunity to work at your uh, job or at home in your side projects. So it gives you a chance to try, experiment new things. Also learn, uh, you can learn a lot by just uh, going through f- each file and navigating the code and finding out which class relates to which, you know, all that stuff. So it gives you a really better understanding of how things connect together because usually some projects have so many different components and are more distributed so you can see how things connect to each other. I learned a lot of things by reading the code from uh, frameworks and like understanding how containers, like not contain doc containers, but like uh, configuration containers, you know, like this kind of patterns that are common controllers and how they do things, how they find things and how each thing communicates with each other. Data is passed across, you know, components. So you can learn so much from exploring these projects that are a bit more bigger maybe than you are used to. So it's a great opportunity, I think. So yeah, I definitely advise anyone, even if you're a beginner, try to contribute if you can. I love it. Uh, culture of learning is essential in uh, kind of engineering discipline, right? And for those of you that want to learn more about API stuff, little plug for Stoplight's open source as this month is, you know, our Hacktoberfest celebration. Definitely looking for contributions on Spectral, Prism, and Elements, our three kind of pillars of open source under uh, Stoplight. I don't usually plug Stoplight stuff, but hey, open source is fair game, right? So don't be scared, folks. Get involved. Come learn something about how it all works and help us out. All right. Well, with that, thanks so much, Erica, for joining I think this has been a great kind of fresh look at something a little bit different. Thanks for joining again, Phil. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.